which is the first thing you do in, in Casablanca is get out of get Casablanca. Get out of Casablanca, right? The guidebook, she reads a guidebook belatedly to yeah. her to get out of Casablanca of her arrival. And there's a feeling of, um, which is explored later when they go to, is it Meknes? Meknes. There's something labyrinthine about it. You get lost and you don't know the, uh, whether it's being driven by a car. People who are from Casablanca get lost in Casablanca. Mm-hmm. And again, it seems a metaphorical labyrinth. But, but did you have that feeling when you when you were there, with that, that sense of the physical getting lost and somehow getting lost in, in terms of your uh, identity? Um, not so much my identity. Okay. My identity okay. wasn't lost. Okay. But my physically, yes, very <laughs> lost, especially in the marketplaces. Who am I? <laughs> Who am I? What am I doing here? <laughs> Does that... I mean, I was, I was wondering if I could draw... A, a, that sort of messes up my glorious parallel with... Um, <laughs> no, we can, we can erase. That's a nice one. We can, <laughs> yes. we can backtrack. Um, no, no, it's my time, right. my fault for asking stupid questions. Um, <laughs> does that happen with with a work of art uh, when you're working on a project? That the, the you that starts the project is not necessarily the same as the you that, that finishes it. And maybe that's something that you, it's hard for you to describe exactly what, what happens. But it's true, you know, all bits of our life as we get a year old um, or, mm-hmm. uh, or we get a year younger, if it's particularly right. special. Um, mm-hmm. But does that, so, I was wondering, it's something to do with travel, being in this sort of strange uh, period in her life, a particularly intense period. But that, mm-hmm. I thought this is, this is what we're all doing. We're all, we all think that nothing's happening to us. We're, mm-hmm. We have this essential identity. But there's bits of us being... Realtered and adapted, and there's a, there's a line about evolution in, in, in the novel. That's a, yeah, that's a really good question. I think that you know sometimes I teach at eight two six Valencia, this nonprofit writing lab that we have in San Francisco. And I teach a lot of high school students, and so many times I say, "What is a story? Like, what has to happen in a story?" And one it kind of reduced my answer to one sentence, mm. which is that a story is something that happens after which nothing is ever the same. Mm. So it could be anything. That's why, you know, a, short, a story can be something very, very small moment after which nothing is ever the same. And that's why I think a lot of New Yorker stories end with like the hint of something, you know, is going to happen. You don't know exactly what, but you know that nothing can go back to how it was before. And so um, ideally every novel is like that too. Mm. You can't go, you know, a novel is something also after, you know, which something happens after the events of the novel, the character can't go back to the way things were before. And I think the same thing happens, too, just like you said, um, evolutionarily speaking, evolutionarily speaking, um, after you write a book, you don't go back to who you were before because presumably you've learned something from the work you, you're writing and you've thought about things in a different way and you, you've changed, too. And also in this course of time, you've gone by and I hope you change. I hope everyone changes in the course of, of writing a book. That would be a terrible thing if you hadn't changed at all. Was there something... I mean, I was thinking about your first... I think your first published book is um, Girls on the Verge, mm. which was about... A, it sounded like it was a particular time in your life. It was a particular mm. time in, in the people's lives you, you were describing. This, this character's at a different stage, but mm. she's on the verge of... I think at the one point she, she, she talks about being on the verge of adulthood. Mm-hmm. Um, there's this particular moment. But, but for all sorts of reasons... Um, it felt a little bit maybe that you were wondering if there was a question you were asking yourself is you know what am I like now in my in my adult yeah age. what does it mean to be here right well, fully fledged adult fully fledged adult yeah. well it's funny because I do remember when I was in my when I was younger and I was talking to to somebody and they said oh you know I feel like I'm just playing adult you know I'm playing like you know she was maybe twenty something she said I feel like when am I like when will I stop she's not like I'm playing an adult and I think I was in my late twenties and I said I I still feel like I'm playing an adult every day and mm. I no longer feel <laughs> Now I no longer feel that way, but I do think it took me a long time to feel that I wasn't playing 
an, an adult. You know, even when I would sit down and pay bills, I think, oh, I'm sitting down and paying bills now like an adult. Oh, I'm, you know, I'm taking my child grocery shopping like an adult would do. Mm-hmm. You know, and I felt there was a sense of play acting. Because kids change. I mean, kids is one of the, the, the... You feel that you can inescapably not... But they actually right. spend all your time... I spend all my time now asking about on the floor, uh, you know, picking up... Brick, and I find myself kind of building these towers and sort right. of thinking, aren't I being the father? Think, right. Oh, look at that tower. <laughs> right. And I realise that she's enough. looking at me thinking, can I get right. on right. <laughs> right, but there is that sense of when you... And, um, yes, maybe I only became an adult in the last three years because I stopped <laughs> thinking that way. I'm very... Yeah, my entrehood mansions into adulthood is very belated but I do think there's that sense of like until you're you're always playing at something until mm-hmm. you actually are no longer playing at it and that's when you the point where you realize you actually are you become that thing right same thing with acting I think that's how actors must feel right they're just reading the lines and playing the part until they actually feel they're inhabiting that character mm-hmm. and that's when they've made that's when they become a good actress and that's why we go to plays to see them on stage because they've actually become that person so is this a just in terms of the names, she we don't learn her essential name, but she mm. has Sabina Lee. So I'm trying to work out the possible allusions that I'm terrible mm. with this sort of stuff. But there's definitely Aretha at the at the end. Um, I think maybe one of them. She and she fictionalizes Reese. Yeah. Uh, oh, that's right. Yes, yeah. And she fictionalizes other people as David Bowie and the Reeves. Uh, sorry, not Reeves. Reeves. I should probably get the names of my characters right. <laughs> <laughs> and you've got but there's da- and she calls someone David Bowie, and so there's this sense of how we can fictionalise other people mm-hmm. we, by imagining them, but we fictionalise our identities. Was that fit- fitting perhaps a particular period of life where you, we'd all try on and perform an identity until it settles down at some point and becomes one that we inhabit? Is that? I think that's true, yeah, okay. I think that's true. And so maybe she's quite, hasn't had, I, I know what her name is, and there's some allusion to her name because when she arrives at the airport, it's spelt with the French spelling, so I know what her name is. But I would never put it in the book because okay. then it wouldn't awesome. tell you. <laughs> I was good though. I like your. What was it? Just ask her. Actually. Right. Okay, you sleep. Yeah, I know what it was, but um, no one, no one knows. Um, I will die. No one will know what her name was. Um, no, Rosebud. I. Uh, <laughs> Rosebud, exactly. Um, I. Uh, um, what were we talking about? What's so perform. Uh, so performing. Uh, names and sort of performing her identity. Her, yeah, so I think or performing an identity. An identity, yeah, and I think it's kind of what we were saying before. I don't think that she's fully. She there's a sense, there's a hint, there's a promise that she is going to be settled into her identity soon, but she hasn't quite reached that that point. So you end yeah. up as a kind of black soul singer at the end. <laughs> exactly. That's how she. That's how she ends up. That is her future. Is there a way that you've that you've been changed by writing this book, other than the loss of a novel? And um, did, or, or were there questions that did get answered about? Um... In, in writing this book, mm, about the questions that did get answered. Um, questions I mean, I had were: Can I write a book in second person? Can I? <laughs> can I? Um, no. I, one question I had that one thing I was trying to do with this book is. I wanted to intentionally keep the tone a little lighter than some other books because I wanted the opportunity to be funny. I wanted the, mm. opp- the, the I wanted the book to have an opportunity 
for humor. And I feel like in some other books I've written, I've kind of got myself into a corner where there can't be humor after a certain point. So, for example, in Let the Northern Lights Erase Your Name, um, there's humor until a certain event happens after which there's no room for humor. The plot does not allow for humor. In fact, I had a a post-it above my desk when I was writing, when I was writing Let the Northern Lights Erase Your Name that said, no more humor. Like I had to like actually have that there because the, the events that had happened were so terrible. There couldn't be humor. There couldn't even really be dark humor. And so I, and I love dark humor. Um, so I, I wanted the tone to accommodate, um, and, provide possibility for humor throughout the book and not get in a situation where where it could have to be humorless. But that's an interesting sort of friction that you're describing, that there's a similarly traumatic event, which, which we won't name, which happens before the action starts and which mm-hmm. is revealed at some point um, in the book. But in, in those terms, she's entering this kind of absurdist, uh, crazy-paving world, and there's a sense that the humour can live on, that, or there's something about the events she finds herself in which are so well, fundamentally funny that, that they can... Do they provide an escape from the, the trauma that she that she um, experienced? I think so. I think that she also has a dark sense of humour. I mean, listen, that's one thing you can't do to characters. You can't give them a different sense of humour than you possess as an author, because <laughs> that'd be really hard to think, oh, I don't find this funny, but my character would find this funny. That's something you just can't do. Right? It has to... It has to you have to share that in common with your with your character but I do think that's a really interesting question because it all I think I do think the events that happen in this book like you said talked about transform her but I, in the sense that um, she doesn't look back on the events that preceded her coming to Morocco in the same way and she is kind of freed or healed or whatever mm-hmm. you want to you know I don't want to say the word healed it's a very California word but she is somehow released from their hold on her because of what she goes through in Morocco um but, uh, yeah, sorry. but maybe because maybe because you learn about them so late in the game, maybe this, maybe it doesn't work at all. No, maybe my mind, maybe like, okay, page thirty six. What? Oh no! Let's go rewrite the book. Um, Do you see humor as, in some ways, restorative, perhaps not healing? Is it? But can, can, what is the, your view of humor? Are you, Humor is as a kind of as, as part of someone's life. What can it? What is my? Um, does humor help, or does it? Oh God! Yeah, <laughs> I think that's all. I mean, I think everything's hilarious. I, I mean, I really just, I, I, I definitely, like I said, I have a dark sense of humor, and unfortunately, you know, I live with someone who finds things very funny, and my kids are starting to find things funny, okay. and so I think that there is a sense of like that's, I, I yeah, I. God, I'm answering this terribly, but no, yeah, no, I think I just, I, I, I no, just, I think I just, I do have, yeah, I, I would, oh God, yeah, I'm answering this quite terribly. No, it was um, a terrible question, I didn't realize. <laughs> can we cut this out? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I know what you're getting at, though, but I think that there are... It's very important, another sort of running line is it's distract, 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 which is about mm-hmm. the creation of, of masks. Mm-hmm. And it is a novel that asks how do we endure things, whether it's it's the self-conscious of growing up with, with uh, teenage acne, mm-hmm. um, which is a, a very difficult thing, um, or, or loss of, of, of various kinds. And how, mm-hmm. how, do, how do we endure? I mean, humour is one way, but we, perhaps we live in a culture where is there too much distraction? We live in a culture of, of distraction. Um, we all have our 
mobile phones and, and the internet can endlessly distract us and um, entertainment can distract us. And your book was very entertaining and, and it was a distraction too. Mm-hmm. And I didn't know quite how I felt at the end of it. I'd been entertained and, right. and distracted and at the same time uh, forced to look at things that perhaps I didn't want to think about. Want to think about it. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know how... I don't know how to... Um, how to answer that because I mean I, like, I love no I re- love reading dark novels um, but I also at the end of the day you know I would love to I would just love to watch you know Amy Schumer's skits all you know evening long which is why I don't have internet at home because when I do have internet recently I was on, on a vacation and, I, and all I did was watch Amy Schumer's like inside Amy Schumer like 25 you know you don't have the internet at home no God, my missus would love you. Uh, gosh. Why is... <laughs> um, just because, for that very reason, when I go, if I am allowed around internet, I will just go down, I will watch, I would just watch comedy about maybe 24 hours a day, maybe try to eat, like, I would not sleep. I'm, um, I definitely have a, a, that addict, not towards, yeah, just towards, towards comedy. There's nothing else I'd watch. Oh, really? I wouldn't actually watch... I wouldn't look at gossip about celebrity okay. gossip because I wouldn't even know who those people are necessarily because I don't watch TV, so I wouldn't know who all these people are. But I would watch um, comedy sketches all day, and I also would just feel like I'd have to, you know, especially because I edit a magazine too. I'd feel I'd have to answer emails at all times of the day. There's good and bad distractions. Do you see? Do you see? Do you see that as, as someone who's chosen not to have the internet and keep away from television as something that that is a a bad thing for the culture. I don't think it's a bad thing for, for a culture. I think it's bad for me and for okay. reading. Okay. I feel like okay. you know, I can, everyone is a freak. People can do whatever they want. I, mean, I don't judge whatever anyone else wants to do. But if I actually want to read a book at night, and if I had internet, if I had, um, it would it would not happen. Everyone laughs at me because I'm, I'm I'm actually the person who still goes to the library to rent my DVDs. Me and the eighty five year old um, ladies at the library, we go there. And but I, I like that too. I like that there's a choice behind it. It's not just whatever's on TV or it's not whatever. I just decide to get the moment. I have to actually think. Okay, what am I going to do? You know, this Monday night, what do I want to do? I already I just finished that book that I was reading, and I don't want to start my other one until tomorrow. Which movie am I going to select tonight? And so I just like the fact that it gives you more power over what you're what you're going to do. And I also like, you know, I, I love the preparation of things. I was thinking about this, how some people love throwing dinner parties and I actually hate throwing dinner parties. But I think what people like about dinner parties is that all the pre- like, people who really love to throw dinner parties <laughs> is they like the preparation behind it and they love the, like getting everything together and getting the recipes and cooking and all that stuff. And I don't like that part. So that's why I don't have dinner parties. <laughs> that's why you'll be never be invited. No one will ever be invited to my house for a dinner party. So I'm a terrible cook. Um, <laughs> on top of hating pre- preparing for anything, I'm a terrible cook. But I also... Um, I just like I like preparing for my consumption of culture. Like I like preparing for what I'm going to read. I like preparing for what movie I'm going to watch. How do you do that? How's the, how do you prepare yourself? How do I prepare? I have you really wonder the inside. Yeah. So I prepare. Like I, I know what books I'm going to read. I have my, I have a chair where I read every night. My husband puts the kids to bed. And that's where I go and read. And I have I know what book is going to come next. And really? I, yeah, it's now I sound like a crazy person, but mm-hmm. no, but I, so I like to prepare for that in the same way I like to prepare for what movie I'm going to rent from my library if the 85 year old lady next to me doesn't take mm-hmm. it first. And I like to kind of prepare. And by pre- do, is that also doing sort of research, and or is it just getting in the right frame of mind? Do you need quiet and the chair? And... Yeah, I need the chair. Okay, no, <laughs> I like that. Okay. Yeah, and then I have, uh, I'm, 
a projector to watch the movies on. It's all, yeah, you don't want to know. No, I don't. Yeah, so. <laughs> but, um, so, yes, I don't care what anyone else does with technology. I just know for me, I don't, I don't like it. And thank you. I'm figuring this out right now as we talk. It's because I don't, I like the preparation for things. Not for dinner parties, but I like preparing for what I'm going to consume. And do you need quiet, is there a sort of quietness that you need? Or is it just, you have your method? I have my method. I can have music. It doesn't have to be quiet. I can just, okay. yeah.